Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. This is Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Damask Leary. I'm Broderick Gordis. I didn't do it. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Before we get into things, you should know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at Hunting S Cast. I want to start this episode with a bit of an apology. Oh, is it to me? Because I don't to, accept it. To everyone, because oh. by now I think people are expecting us to have our review of Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country out. <laughs> Every time I say it, I get that wrong. Yeah. It's been an interesting couple of weeks, I'll be honest with you. Uh, we're still not quite ready for that. Blame me. Blame Broad. That's going to be the title of this episode of Off Topic Hot Topic. Blame Broad. It's all his fault. Uh, I love that title. A, yeah, it's been wrapped up Beautiful. in a few different things. Um, if it gives anyone context, I got engaged. Um, <laughs> so that, And it's that's... to me. Surprise. What a twist. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> uh, blame Congratulations, me. Congratulations, Broad. Thank you. Thank you. It's been just an interesting time in Victoria as well. I like to talk about this at the end of the episode, but Victoria mm. and Melbourne specifically is coming out of lockdown. We've been for three months. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, if you want to have a go at me for enjoying our basic freedoms and being able to go outside again, mm. I'm sorry. But that means it's I haven't so been sitting nice down to watch a lot of TV. It's being able to go outside. It's just been... Like I mean, see I've people been like, again? Yeah. I've been socialising... As much as I can, as much as is appropriate. I am, I think I've, because I'm going to a thing today as well, but I've kind of reached my limit again. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back into isolation. Um, But yeah, no, we've we've been enjoying ourselves a little bit because it's been a hard few months plus, you know, a tiny break and then a few months before that as well. We've had a long slog of lots of lockdowns and isolations and limitations on our lives. So yes, we have been enjoying ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And so, you'll you'll find that when we get down to what we've been watching, I've actually been watching very, very little. Like, yeah. it's not like I've been I've been cheating on the on um, hunting seasons with another show or anything like that. Although, we did record an episode of a different podcast, which we'll talk about later as well. Um, mm. But, like, yeah, we're, we're getting there. I love Calf Country will come next week, I believe. And then we've got mm. other stuff lined up for the rest of the month. So, it is coming. Yeah. Apologies. As I said, blame me. Mm-hmm. Um, news in Fuller. Now yes. to our regular segments. Uh, Brian Fuller is once again talking about Hannibal Season 4. There have been no announcements. Netflix has not said they're going to make a new season. And yet somehow he's got doing interviews with Rolling Stone magazine and talking about how Season 4 is going to take place in Mind Palaces inside his character. It's going to be like Inception or something like that. And his characters are all going to have be having these psychedelic interior episodes where you can't tell reality from what's going on in someone's head. I can't wait for that never to happen. Brilliant. It, keep keep not waiting. Keep <laughs> can't waiting because 
Jeez, I'll be, the amount that's being talked about, it's probably being talked about more than the actual show that was made, like the three seasons that were made. Yeah. The amount of talk about whether there'll be a season four, what it'll be like, if it's coming or not. Unbelievable. Uh, correction I want to give as well. We uh, reported in our last Off Topic Hot Topic in October that Tatiana Maslany was going to be playing She-Hulk. Is she? Apparently, is that's happening? a load of bollocks. No! <laughs> Like it maybe it will still happen, I don't know, but it'd been reported widely that this was yeah. happening for sure. And then she told the Ontario's Sadbury Star. I may have written that down wrong. How is um, it spelled? S U D B U R Y. I may have typed it out wrong. Anyway, okay. she told a newspaper <laughs> Ontario that she actually that it actually isn't a real thing. And it's like a press release that's gotten out of hand, adding pretty unequivocally that it's not actually a thing, unfortunately. That comes from the horse's mouth itself. Oh, so, well, I mean, the people making it already know that if they do announce it, that it's, you know, very people are very happy about it. So, absolutely. I mean, if her people put that out there, that's a pretty good strategy. Uh, that's a good point. That being said, don't announce something when you haven't got pen to paper or <laughs> maybe even spoken to her about this. She seemed very like, this isn't a thing. Uh, some headlines. Some announcements we'll start with. Peter White at Deadline, Deadline reports that Showtime is reviving serial killer drama Dexter as a limited series with Michael C. Hall and the showrunner of seasons one to four, Clyde Phillips, returning. Damask, how familiar are you with Showtime's series Dexter? I think I watched the first couple of seasons and then I realized that I didn't care that much about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I stopped. Yeah. What about you, Brad? I, watched- I think you famously put out your opinions about this show. The thing is, my opinion is widely like a lot of people agree with this opinion. This is not a controversial opinion to say the first no, four it's seasons not a were hot good take. And, and then it went to shit. Um, the show originally ended in 2013 after its eighth season. I did not make it that far. I think I gave up in season six or seven and then dipped back in as I heard of some interesting things happening, only to find that while those interesting things were interesting, the rest of the show around it was trash. The ninth season is going to, or this continuation, this limited series epilogue run, depending on who you ask, is going to consist of 10 episodes and will go into production next year with a tentative premiere date of fall 2021. So Clyde Phillips, who was the original showrunner of seasons one to four is going to be leading this, which is interesting because he did not get to finish off the story of the original run. He did not do seasons mm. five to eight. And so in my opinion, whether it was him that was the difference between the show being good or bad, he was definitely leading the show when it was at its best. Yeah. Um, so him coming back is a positive. Um, I don't know if it's enough to make me want to watch the show or watch it I when mean, it comes back, but certainly I'm curious about I'd it. I'd never... Wanted or needed more from that story. No. So. No. But, you know, if you're down for the show, that sounds awesome for those guys. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think Dexter sort of... We had our fill of Dexter. Yeah. yeah. It's a question of whether we need this to correct a bad ending or Mm. whether the show was bad for half its run and whether you can't (laughs) do... It's not worth trying that anyway. (laughs) To undo, like, four seasons of terrible work. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, A Willow sequel series. So, Willow, the Lucasfilm movie starring Warwick Davis, is getting a sequel television series ordered by Disney Plus uh, and Lucasfilm. Uh, So, have you watched Willow? 
Um, I haven't. I also want to apologize for my dog in the background. She's Jesus going Pearl. nuts. Sorry, sorry. I'll I'll uh, smack her later for that. Big punch in the face. Don't naughty. say that. That's awful. <laughs> I'm clearly joking. Pearl is um, barely the size of your fist. You would kill I know. her. She's tiny. She's tiny. <laughs> um, no, I haven't watched Willow. It even when I was little and I'd see it at like the video store. It even looked old back then. Yeah, so I just yeah, wasn't right. interested. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's one of those. I'm like, I'm so familiar with like the title and the cover. Yeah, I cover, know that Val yeah. Kilmer's in it. I know that Warwick Davis is in it, and I've never been interested in watching it ever. And I love me some Val Kilmer. Oh, I love him. <laughs> Tombstone. What a film. What a film. The Saint. Oh my. Oh, kiss, just... kiss, bang, bang was admittedly very good. Mm. Anyway, um, no, uh, but no, I haven't seen it. No, neither have I. Um, I feel like. I'll probably get around to watching. I'm sure it's on Disney Plus since it's one of, I don't know, do people consider it a classic? This is like on the level of like Labyrinth. I and, think um, people like just of the gen above us do. A gen above us. It's yeah. Gen X a thing. Mm, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the Willow sequel series uh, has also tapped Crazy Rich Asians and In the Heights director John M. Chu to helm the pilot and executive produce. Jonathan Kasdan. Um, who helped write or was one of the screenwriters behind Solo, a Star Wars um, movie, and or so- Solo, a Star Wars story, I should say, and we- Wendy Merrickill, who was behind Arrow, will serve as showrunners, uh, for anyone who's interested in the Willow sequel series. Netflix is developing an Assassin's Creed live-action TV series as well. They uh, Assassin's Creed, long-running now for a couple of, well, what would be probably 10, 15 years now, um, mm. video game series where you play as... A cool assassin running around climbing buildings, assassinating people, as you can imagine, um, in different sort of famous locations and different famous areas of history. Um, is They made a movie with, um, what's Fast that Bender. guy? Fassbender, thank you, in 2016. No one went and saw it. <laughs> and now they're going to try and make a, a, a TV series out of it. I kind of like this idea. I'd be interested to see what they do with it. Um, and obviously, Netflix had a lot of success with The Witcher, which is not necessarily based on the video games, but it's based on the book mm-hmm. series, but the video games kind of made it famous in the West or more famous or sort of more widely known. Are you interested at all in Assassin's Creed TV series coming to Netflix? I, I have played a couple of the games. One's, uh, mm. One I remember is the one in like Italy. That oh, was yeah. Fun. Assassin's that Creed was like- 2, Brotherhood and Revelations, I think it was. Yeah. Sure. He um, plays Ezio. He was cool. Yes. So I, I really enjoyed playing it. I don't know if I was super invested in the story as I was like invested in me being able to jump from building to building. You, like that was the fun, like the mechanics of it were the fun part, not necessarily the story. I mean, yeah. if it comes out and people say it's all right, I'll, I'll probably check it out. But I'm not like, oh my God, about time, Assassin's Creed gets its due. No. And this, this is hardly a new opinion either, but you're exactly right. This is the problem with video games. It's like the reason while the story can be engaging enough to keep you sort of in that world, ultimately, if the video game is not fun, you don't get, care about the story. And mostly yeah. people are playing Assassin's Creed to run around and climb buildings and assassinate mm-hmm. people in famous historical locations. Oh, like the you, satisfaction you feel when you die from the top of a tower into a mm-hmm. tiny cart of hay. Oh, God, it feels good. You feel so powerful. But yeah, no, I'm not going to get that from a TV show. <laughs> Kerry Fukunaga uh, is to direct multiple episodes of Steven Spielberg's Band of Brothers and the Pacific follow-up Masters of Air 
uh, Masters of the Air, sorry, for Apple TV+. Plus. Um, so were you aware, first of all, of Masters of the Air? Because I wasn't. I've not no. seen Band of Brothers or The Pacific. I've heard I great things about them. I love Band of Brothers. I really right. like that. Um, yeah. I think I saw a bit of the Pacific because that had it. It was filmed in Melbourne, some parts of it. Yeah, it was. So I watched yeah. a bit of that. Um, I think I might have watched all of it. It was so long ago. I think I did watch all of it. But yeah, I mean, I watched and rewatched Band of Brothers quite a lot back in the day on the old DVDs. And so, yes, this is so. That if, I imagine Band of Brothers mostly took place sort of on the ground, trips on the ground, army stuff, like you know. Yes. I want to say classic, but like um, yeah. so I think it was Saving like Ryan style. you go from training to like D-Day. Right. Yeah, and then following and then through that. The Pacific, I'm guessing, was more Navy focused on the water. And so Masters of the Air is going to be more Air Force focused, mm-hmm. which is interesting. This is going to Apple TV+. Plus. I don't remember where the originals were. I want to guess like HBO or something like that maybe did. I think um, they were the original HBO, two series. I can't remember. So it's pretty interesting that Spielberg's doing that for Apple TV+. And yeah, cool that Kerry Fukunaga has been attached to this. We loved his work with season one of True Detective. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of liked Maniac. I'm looking forward to his James Bond film, which will release one day. <laughs> there was a lot of rumors getting around that that was going to. There was a big bid, or they were trying to sell um, No Time to Die to Netflix as well for some absurd amount, like three hundred million dollars or something like that, which didn't come to pass at this point. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to seeing more of his work. That should be fun. Euphoria is set to return for a special Christmas episode on December 9th. It will serve as a bridge episode from seasons one to two. I've not watched Euphoria yet, Damascus, but I know you have. Are you excited yeah. about this? I am actually. I didn't see that coming. Um, and I do love a Christmas episode. Sure. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm down for that. I think that's a great idea. From all accounts, it seems to be made, being made fairly quickly, maybe even since uh, Zendaya won her, um, what was it, Golden Globe? Was it the Emmy? Emmy, Emmy, thank you. What's Who knows anymore? It's This year has gone for five years. If we can't remember <laughs> anything, it's not our fault. Um, apparently, there was mentioned or talked about possibly then after she won, and the idea from the accounts that I've read is that it's being filmed with a limited group of people in a safer environment, quote unquote, than a regular mm. full production. Um, and so the idea is it was something COVID safe they could do and then sort of fill the gap between whenever they're going to get to filming season two and then releasing that, which is pretty exciting if you're a fan cool. of Euphoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, before we get to our renewals se- uh, area of the uh, this uh, new segment, American Gods Season 3 is set to premiere on January 10th, 2021. Would you believe that's actually coming out? I'd forgotten it even existed <laughs> at this point. I thought they cancelled it. Didn't they cancel it? Well, no, they didn't. They renewed it oh. and Maybe it was still being... Maybe that was just wishful made. thinking. I don't know, but well, I really thought they did. And I do have a section of cancellation announcements. There have mm. been so many recently because of COVID-19 is a brilliant like excuse to ditch things that maybe you're only slightly interested in continuing. Mm. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't cancelled during that as well. In terms of renewal news, though, the Nexium cult documentary series, which you've talked about, The Vow, has been renewed by Netflix for a second season. You're making a very confused face. (laughs) Yeah, I'm making a very confused face. Hmm, okay. I guess there's more stories to tell from different perspectives of those who experience. Because, I mean, like, we had the podcast, which I really liked, and then we had The Vow, and then there's also a documentary series that I haven't watched yet, but I want to. I think it's called, like, 
um, seduced or something, which is, I believe, from the perspective of one woman who, like, towards the end of Nexium was living with that creepo um, in pretty much sexual slavery. I'll be watching that one as well because apparently that's actually even better than The Vow, according to a few people that I respect. Um, So I feel like that's enough at that point. As as a consumer, as a viewer, that's probably enough content about Nexium for me. But I'm sure there are people out there. You don't need a Nexium cinematic universe. You don't (laughs) need to keep expanding. No. I mean, if they manage to pull it off, I'll I'll eat my words. Um, if they manage to yeah, milk this for fifteen years with seventy five different TV shows and movies, sure. Um, but I can't I feel like the interest is maybe gonna peter out. It's not like something like Scientology which continues. Sure. And so I think that like the the interest in how that evolved and continues is something people are still interested in. Um, mm-hmm. Although I would argue that even shows about the function of Scientology have lessened and we've now transitioned now to more personal stories like what Leah Remini mm-hmm. is doing with her Scientology show. So maybe that's what they're going to do. They're going to interview people one-on-one about their experience of it. I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm not gagging for it, Brod, but... Uh, I'll see what people say, I guess. Uh, Archer has been renewed for season 12 by FX. That's exciting if you're an Archer fan. I didn't know that show was still going. Yeah. They did those like oh. dream series for a while where they sort of like just ignored whatever the main storyline was doing and then it's come back. I think right. I think season 11 is currently airing. Like it's about to end. Yeah. Um, and I didn't yeah. mean that in the way that I meant that for the sh- the other show. Like the Dexter. I, yeah. I... I, I really liked Archer. I just had no idea that it was still going. There you go. There you go. Uh, Netflix has renewed the Babysitter's Club revival series for a second season. Apparently, that did quite well. I've heard very good things. Mm. I saw the pilot and was like, just to see what it was like, and was like, oh, this is mm. this is not bad. Not for me. Not really my cup of tea, yeah. but certainly competent. And I think I'd love it. I don't know why I haven't watched it yet. Well, Probably because of COVID of and stress. But yeah, I, I think sure. I, I, might, I might get into it. Um, and Apple TV Plus has ordered a third season of Ted Lasso before season two has even started filming. Season one of Ted Lasso has has been very, very strong. Like, people have not stopped raving about that show. What's the plot? I don't even know. I'm not 100% sure either. It seems like some American <laughs> schlub ends up in charge of, like, a, a soccer team or football team, depending on where you're from, or something like that. Yeah. Um, but you gotta, okay. I, my guess is you've got to have some interest in like that sort of sports, like team films, which I definitely, mm. or team series, which I definitely do. Um, but I'm not a, but because it's soccer, I kind of am already less interested just because I don't really think that sports all that interesting. But anyway, that's just me. Yeah, no one gives like a shit a about my football team winning the NFL. So. I don't give a shit. Really. Sure, sure. Blurp. Unless it's Bendit like Beckham, is what you're saying. I also didn't like that film very much because it was just go. like so gay, but then like wasn't allowed to be gay. So I was like, what's the point of making a female soccer film if no one's gay? It's same with like Whip It, which was about roller derby and no sure. one's queer in that. Um, really? I mean, there's like hints of it, but not really. What's even the point? Exactly. In cancellation news, Becoming a God in Central Florida has been glowed by Showtime. In that it's been cancelled due to COVID, even though it had previously been renewed. Were you aware of this series, Becoming a God in Central Florida? 
Yes, I was. I heard great things about it. Uh, my girlfriend Angela watched it and really, really liked it. And yeah, I'd heard it was really good. Um, and I had planned on getting around to it, which I think I still will because I really want to see Kirsten Dunst's performance, which I hear a lot about. Um, but yeah, sad. I really wasn't. Sad news. I wasn't aware of it. The premise is very interesting. I'll mm. read um, here. The series starred Kirsten Dunst as a woman who scams her way to the top of a cult-like pyramid scheme that had previously conned her out of all her money. That is very appealing, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, come up and sort of story, but also how it might corrupt you to end up at the top of one of those schemes. Like there's there's a, a lot of interesting sort of uh, ideas in there, I think. Showtime explained the virus has continued to challenge schedules across the board to the point where it's become untenable to figure out how to get the whole cast and crew back together for another season. Righto. Not to be outdone, Netflix reversed their official renewal of The Society, an unofficial renewal of I Am Not Okay With This. Um, I, I'm not okay with this, if you remember, was the new project from End of the Fucking World creator Jonathan Entwistle, who has now been tapped to bring Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Cinematic Uni- and Television Universe to life. Would you believe that's a thing that's happening as well? I very easily could believe that. I mean, we had Ninja Turtles, we've had Transformers, we've had fucking everything. So, yeah, sure. That makes well, sense. they already tried to do the revival movie recently, but that and that I didn't think did particularly well. But they're going to try I and reboot say, it again. I watched yes. that film and I loved it. Really, really. <laughs> really? Look, I wasn't sober, so I should say oh. that. But I really enjoyed myself. It was fun, it, and I think it was like tonally what that remake remake should have been. It was just silly and a bit stupid and didn't take itself seriously at all. And I, yeah, I liked it. Gotcha. Um, And I'll just sort of do a brief synopsis of this article. There was more written here, but I don't think it's worth getting too deep into. David Fincher confirms... Yeah, please give a synopsis because it was very confusing what you just told me. There were so many shows in there, didn't quite understand. Oh, of that part there? Yeah. The the Society has been cancelled after being renewed for season two. And I'm not okay with this, has been cancelled. It didn't officially get a renewal for season two, but it was widely rumoured that it was getting one. And now that's been cancelled as well. Okay, thank you. That I was wasn't sure thing. if all of those things were interrelated by creative like, somehow. No, well, the ant whistle thing was the connection between uh, I'm not okay with this and then the Power Rangers bit, which was just sort of a lead in. I yes. don't know. But I, I wasn't that sure if the society one. at the top there was also Sorry. connected. Okay. Only that it was Netflix. Fair, gotcha. fair criticism. Um, speaking of though, David Fincher has confirmed that the very expensive... Um, series Mindhunter is done for now. So you may remember a while back we were talking about how season one and season two had come out and there was talk of season three, but it wasn't officially Mm. getting renewed. And then it was kind of a bit weird. They released the actors from their contracts and it was sort of like, is this ever going to happen? And David Fincher has basically come out and I will link um, to this article, this Vulture article in the show notes. But just to get to the sort of meat of it, he's basically said season two didn't go as planned. They scrapped it, started again, put like 90 hours a week of work into making this show. It took not eight to nine months to make. It totally drained him. He went on to go and make Mank, which is this film that's sort of everyone's giving Oscar buzz for that's on Netflix at the moment. He's like, I really don't want to go back to, to Mindhunter right now. I'm not ready for that. It's just like so taxing on him. That he's like, I might come back to it later maybe, but... Who knows? And Netflix is keeping that door open. Like when asked about, they're like, "Yeah, maybe we'll come back in the five years or so." But basically, if you're looking forward to more Mindhunter, don't get your hopes up because sucks. Um, I also don't. D- yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Is he Go maybe on. doing too much by himself? If it's like, maybe. 
that much work for him. I mean, learn how to delegate, dude. I don't know. But that, I mean, that sucks. I loved Mindhunter. Mm. That's a disappointment, particularly considering where they left things. Yeah. Very disappointing yeah. to hear that. There's a lot more detail and direct quotes in the article, this Vulture article, mm. so I will link it in the show notes. But that's the, but the also, basics of it. If the dude needs a break for his own mental health, yes. I don't begrudge him that. Um, the Wall Street D- Journal has reported that Quibi is shutting down barely six months after going live. Do you Who blame f- um, our sometimes guest co-host Paul Mitzi for this going down? Because what's the opposite of the what's the opposite of the Midas touch? Because basically, anytime Paul's on the show, I think it's called poo poo hands. Just big poo poo hands. Paul poo poo hands, Mitzi. Paul, 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 Paul. Um, he constantly tells us to watch shows that I find to be absolute horseshit. Um, he also <laughs> recommend recommended we we try out Quibi, which I didn't do because I don't know I'm lazy. And then this happened, and I, I immediately thought of him though, and I did laugh. Poor guy. I still want to get around to that series. Uh, what's it called? Dummy or whatever it is. The one that's about Dan Harmon's girlfriend and sex doll becoming friends. Mm-hmm. That that still interests me. I still want to say that. Yeah. The thing is, better getting quick then. Well, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, apparently, again, I'm just thinking back to this article I read. They've been trying to shop around their content to like Facebook and other places like this, and no one's buying it. Like no one wants it. It probably like. We could go on and on. Everybody's analyzing what happened with Quibi. The worst thing that happened was you created content that was about small bites, watched on your phone while you're waiting in line at the supermarket, and then mm. no one's going to the supermarket because no one's leaving their houses. Like, mm. you couldn't have timed it worse um, to release a new yeah. streaming platform. I mean, I guess it's just... It is confusing to me because if, if the whole selling point is like bite-sized pieces, you know, when you're like half watching something or at the grocery store or whatever, do we want like long form narratives in that form or are people just watching short snippets of nothingness on YouTube and TikTok, which they're already doing? That's the thing, right? It's It's like like those two things, like selling it that way doesn't appeal to people who want really good story that just happens to be three minutes long or whatever. You were never competing with Netflix and Amazon and stuff like that. You were competing with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and all those things that people already do when they're filling in the seconds between putting their toaster in the toaster and waiting for it to the pop. Like mm-hmm. that had already been filled by other things. We didn't need video content when YouTube was right there the whole time as well. Like you're 100% right. It's not what people were looking for at all. Um, one last piece of news before I get to before we get to what we've been watching, why The Last Man or why the FX series based Mm -hmm. on the comic books, why The Last Man has actually started filming. Oh, my God, Brod, congratulations. Listen. No? It sounds like it should be congratulations, but with the US election about to happen, I'm just worried (laughs) this is a sign of the end times because goodness knows this can't be really happening and this is is some sort of terrible prophecy for being Mm -hmm. fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, apparently that's happening. I'm not getting my hopes up yet. Shows can be cancelled when they've already started filming season twos and they're like, nah, COVID's too hard. Goodbye. You're there's no there's no promises we'll actually see this at all. But, you know, yeah. hope springs I eternal. I wonder, you know, and I'm so sorry, America. I don't – I'm not shitting on you. I'm shitting on your systems. I'm sorry. Well, that's pretty much <laughs> shitting on you. Um, but I wonder if, like – because America is so terrible and now so is the UK, 
Are Australia and New Zealand just going to get Let, a whole bunch of films made here and TV made here because we're let's not free get from smug. COVID? Let's not get smug that everywhere's terrible except here. I mean, this week. Can't I just celebrate one it's week? Been a, it's been a good week. Yeah, thank you. Just let me four, have it, Brad. Four days of zero cases in a row. Four. I know. Uh, it's a, a beautiful thing. You know what? I uh, do feel smug and I feel beautiful <laughs> and I feel empowered and I think I could fly. Yeah, And, I, and I'm just holding on to that because tomorrow morning I'm going to go to a friend's house. We're going to watch the US election together and I don't know what's going to happen. But today I feel good, Brad, and hopeful. Yeah, hold and on to that. For me. It yeah. might be the last time for a while. <laughs> Shut up. Don't put that out there. It's going to be fine. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tamask, what have you been watching? Okay, so uh, not a whole lot. I will be honest. I The last few, well, last couple of weeks, I've just been re-watching Real Housewives of New York um, from season three onwards. So obviously the Scary Island, blah, blah, all that stuff. Loved it, beautiful. I've talked whoa, whoa, about whoa, enough. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, what? you just zoomed past Scary Island. What? I, I'm, I'm quite sure I've mentioned it before on the podcast okay. many times because it's iconic, but it is. Scary Island, Godzilla, end of the world, <laughs> that stuff. We've been here before. It's it's truly crazy. Um, yeah. If you want to watch Real House of New York, go for it. It's awesome. Um, but a new thing that I have watched, and I think most of us have watched, particularly the queer ladies and lesbians, is Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh. oh. Oh, my, 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 my. And I did not start watching it because of that. It's just, you know, last year or whatever, we watched Haunting of Hill House. 
Um, I thought that was fine. My girlfriend, Angela, loves scary things. I hate them, but this is the kind of scary I can watch because it's not really scary. It's a bit like, ooh, but it's not going to make me shit my pants on the couch. Um, So it's – I actually preferred it more than Hill House, whatever that one was called. I think Mm -hmm. my problem with that show was that it was so far up its own ass in terms of the monologuing that it just needed a good edit and for someone to tell the guy running it. It's like, I understand that you think you're really poetic and perhaps you are and that would be great on a, in a stage show. But for TV, it makes it's really cringy. Um, sure. There's only like one or two instances of that in Bly Manor. Thank God. The rest is pretty well written, I think. It, this season has great side characters and I think I can speak for everyone who's watched it. Like they're the people you are really rooting for um, mm-hmm. and just you don't care about the little kids. In fact, you kind of almost want them to die because one, they're terrifying and annoying, but well-performed actually. And I'm not a huge fan of child actors as I'm quite sure I've mentioned before. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it is very sappy. But I kind of dug it and I ended up crying at the end, which is not something I expected at all. I was like watching it throughout being like, oh, this is cool. Um, But yeah, I did end up crying at the end of it. It's just like, and you knew you were being like emotionally manipulated in like a really obvious way. But at that point, like I was just very stressed and horny that I was like, I'm just going to, it's just coming out of my eyes at this point. Ew. Um, thought you'd like that there is one scene um and this speaks to like the monologuing and it's at a point where you're seeing two people who you want to get together you're like fuck yes awesome this is like their first first date um and one of them starts monologuing in the most ridiculous way but it's it's as if we went on a first date together and Mm. i just immediately told you that like oh yeah like my mum died and then like I was sexually assaulted like 15 times in my life and I spoke about the worst things in the world that had ever happened to me for approximately a half hour without asking you any questions. Isn't that just dating once you turn 30? It's like, let's just cut to the chase. Let's just I'll tell you What's everything that's wrong with me. We don't What's have your trauma? We don't have time to piss fight around with this. Know it up front. You can either in or out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think like generally, absolutely, you're spot on there, Brod. It is particularly with like queer women. Um, that that is, I think Angela and I did speak quite extensively about sexual assault on our first date, so I really shouldn't be judging. But I think it's like the generally in that conversation, the other person would be like, "Oh yeah, no, me too." Speak a little bit about themselves, but this was like a full on monologue while staring at a flower, talking about tragedy. It was a bit much and it made me want to pull my hair out. But otherwise... Did they get I, together? Or was that not spoiler? Not telling. Not okay. telling. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I, cool. It was a good isolation watch for me. Is this The Haunting of Bly Manor? This is on Netflix, is that right? It is. It is indeed. Cool. Oh, also, the main chick looks exactly like Hilary Duff and I was down for that. As you know, she's sure. my girlfriend forever. And who knows if we're going to get that Hillary, that uh, Lizzie McGuire sequel series. It makes me so sad, Brod. Like, I don't even think you understand how sad I am about that. First, I was really excited, just the concept of a new Lizzie. And then when I heard that the creator and H. Duff wanted to make it like 
appropriately aged for like she's in her 30s, she's in New York, sounded amazing. And then I heard that like that idea was being scrapped and the creator was fucked off into the sun. And now it's just like, I don't know, not happening. I don't, I'm very upset about it and stressed about it. But thanks for bringing it up. Sure, no worries. Anytime. <laughs> uh, what else have you been watching? Anything else? <laughs> I can't remember if I mentioned this last time or not, but I've been watching The Boys. And mm, I've only. Don't know if you mentioned you're watching season one or season two. Season one. Have I already mentioned that? I, no. Go on. Talk about it. All right. <laughs> skip forward if I have, guys. I'm so sorry. Like I said, I don't remember anything from this year. Um, yeah, I've only watched season one. I'm really excited to watch season two, but Angela and I have been trying to like watch a season of something and then give that a break and watch something else. Mm-hmm. It's so easy just to like churn through something that you're really enjoying. And I just need like something to look forward to or have done certainly in lockdown. This show, it, it's... It's fucking terrifying. It's really, it's really, really scary. Uh, just of obviously the concept of what kind of people would superheroes be if you had all that power. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Um, there are some episodes that are hits. There's certainly some misses, I think, in there. Um, characters that are either superfluous or not that interesting. But I think by the end of that, it all does come together to make a pretty engaging show i'm sure everyone out there has already watched it and i'm always late to the party but yeah i've I've quite enjoyed it for a show that is predominantly men um Mm -hmm. but yeah no it was it was really good it was a nice new perspective i enjoyed it would you be willing to review season like uh the show the boys because only because i've heard some interesting things particularly about season two Mm. friend of the show cam williams has said he thought season two was so good, it had the potential to be the new Game of Thrones, as in that show that everyone's watching, that everyone's talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been some good reactions absolutely. across the board. I'm, d- I'm down for that. I'd like to get to that. Maybe we'll add that to the list. You know, we should probably just review a season of television first before we think <laughs> too far, far ahead, uh, but maybe we'll get to the boys one day. Anything else? Yes, so I'm continuing to watch The Real Housewives of Potomac. So this season is airing at the moment. I believe we've just hit episode 13. Um, It changes from year to year. So I think we've still got quite a few weeks left. Um, Mm -hmm. I think particularly since like COVID hits and all that stuff, they want to hold off um, so they can have like an in-person reunion, which is what they did for the past season of New York. Potomac is it's right very quickly rising in the ranks of one of my favorite franchises. It's I think you know Atlanta is always my favorite, um, particularly with Portia um, and mm-hmm. how she's been going the last I don't know five years now. Like she's so goddamn good. Anyway, so there's Atlanta now. I think New York is still second, but Potomac it's really you know. It's hitting that ceiling and I think it might even hit to number two. This franchise full of very smart, very funny women, which is what I love in a housewives. I'm not a super huge fan of the only laughing at the women, which is what you get from like the like like Orange County, you get that. Mm-hmm. I don't really and Beverly Hills, you get that a lot as well. 
I don't just like laughing at them. I like, you know, a bit of laughing at them, um, thanks to a lot of work done by the editors, but also like laughing with them. Like I want to at least enjoy the company of some of the people within the franchise. And you absolutely have that in Potomac. This season, you know, starts off with a bang. We have an assault between two of the women, um, which is dragging on a little bit at this point, um, but, you know, is sparked up once again as one of the women, you know, goes to get the woman that she fought to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, she says. Um, The other is now then counter-suing, which is very exciting. We also start off with an affair with actual photographic images provided, which is what you want because it's annoying when people just talk about what's happening. It's nice to have evidence. Speculation. Mm. Exactly. And we also, in Potomac, we have the wonderful Karen who she's kind of like the matriarch of Potomac. She calls herself the grand dame um, of Potomac. She has annoyed me in previous seasons. She's a bit much and is one of those people which I hate in a Real Housewives franchise. It's only there to kind of build up their brand, protect their reputation and so can't really fully engage in the drama or be honest about what's going on in their own lives. I just find that annoying. But this season, she, I think because the drama isn't necessarily about her, but she is engaged with it and is taking a very clear perspective, which I'm really enjoying. And she's really proving herself to be like an ultimate housewife. Like at this moment, a lot of people are coming for her. And every episode, she just tears them to shreds with her words. Like the points that she can articulate and the way that she can articulate them is like the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. She is so quick. It's incredible to see. Like it's a genuine skill the way she can read people. It's gorgeous. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm in love with Potomac at the moment. Very happy it's on the air. It's it's what I look forward to every week. The... You used the term an ultimate housewife there, mm. right? Which I just it just it sprung to my mind this image. Has there ever been like an all stars housewife show where they've taken the best housewives from different cities and then put them together on an island and like made it happen? Thank you so much for asking, Broad. No, they haven't. <laughs> but it, I think it's something that a lot of housewife fans talk about and dream of is like. Like the Avengers like, of Housewives, get them, you yeah. know, the best, the biggest and the best together. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you'd have to get some like people really knowledgeable about the kind of behind the scenes aspects of these women because it is hard because they're made by individual production companies. Uh, are and you putting fi- your name out there as like <laughs> the person doing this? No, no, I'd be terrible at it. I get overwhelmed in two seconds because you'd want like all your favorites, but then does that make the best? version of like what an all-stars should be sure because when you think of like rupaul's drag race all-stars you're not going to have all all tens like you do need like a bit of flavor in there that makes you go oh like i didn't care about that person before and all of a sudden oh my god now i'm in love with them like you still need to go on a journey within the season um but i mean there's certainly plenty of characters to choose from and i think yes we should one day have a real housewives all-stars not a season, maybe like a three-episode special because 
every season of every franchise, the women in a group always like travel somewhere together. Usually right. like internationally they'll go. If they had that and you had like a group of, you know, six of your all-stars going to, I don't know, Spain or something together, that would be – or on a cruise would be incredible. Like, cruise I feel like is that, a great idea. Like that frenzied energy of a cruise would just be yeah. insane. So something like that would be fantastic. Seems like it'd be easy enough to do these days. Cruise ships are looking for any reason to be able to set sail. <laughs> just throw a bit of money they, at them and off you go. They do need some good press. Yes, absolutely. True. Yeah, I'm sure housewives will be the press they need. They'll get people back on boats. <laughs> I think like trashy women like myself and, you know, those a bit older would watch that and be like, you know what? I do want to go on a cruise with my girlfriends. Absolutely. Um, Anything else you've been watching, Damask? No, that's it. That's it for me. Very cool. All right. I'm going to go through mine pretty quickly. Um, I've kind of got mine into categories at the moment of what I have been able to watch over the last few weeks because, again, Mm -hmm. I haven't been watching uh, Lovecraft Country. Blame me. Um, (laughs) Our dinner shows is in mine and Steph's, my fiance Steph, I might say. Ooh, ooh, uh, la la. We're still making our way through Mad Men, Mad Men bit by bit. We're up to season six. I think last time I spoke about it, we're entering season four, and I was really excited, like by the potential of the show and what they were doing with it. There's been a big sort of change in the status quo that made it really exciting. That was all great. It's now moving into season six. It's becoming a pretty intense tragedy at times <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh we're entering end game here okay good this yeah. is how these shows always end the up the chickens have um, come home to roost to some degree yeah. yeah yeah and in not necessarily in the most direct sense and i don't want to spoil anything here sometimes it's a bit more um what's the word it's a bit more internal than external mm-hmm. necessarily but um yeah, yeah it's that we're spiraling spiraling the drain a little bit some of these characters now gotcha. but yeah, looking forward to getting to, to finishing that. It's been really great. How many seasons uh, are there? I think it's seven, seven, if I'm right. And I can never remember if and it's season six. Short, and seven's short, right? It was something so like, I'm trying to remember, if season six and seven were one season that was split in half or they were both shortened seasons to make it work, or mm. maybe that was just season seven got split in I can't remember. I think seven seasons is the right is the correct amount, though. Gotcha. Uh, I've also been watching season 10 of Taskmaster, which we've talked about previously. Mm, They've been coming out weekly in the UK and somehow ending up on my television. Um, Isn't that magical when that happens? When the COVID fairy just like drops a a cool TV show into your TV? And that's been an interesting thing as well. I haven't really watched a lot of COVID-affected television. You were talking Mm. about like The Masked Singer in Australia and stuff like that, but Taskmaster has obviously been affected by this to the point where... um, uh, for those who don't know, Taskmaster, it's a US sort of like game show type of thing or panel UK. show that involves UK, did I say US? UK, yeah. sorry, that involves um, comedians being put in these absurd task situations and having to solve problems. They get points off that, basically. But normally they sort of have the stuff in the studio, there's a live studio audience, and then they're talking about what they've seen when they've done these part these tasks that were recorded, you know, however many months ago. And they break it down sort of on stage that way and delve, delve out points and stuff. This season, it was interesting because they started filming before they had restrictions. And then there's a mm. point where they literally just say, and from now on, you'll notice that no one else is in shot because we were all social distancing. And it's like, <laughs> or right. we start doing group tasks and you'll notice they all have to stand on these boxes. So they have to be social distancing while they do it and stuff like that. And it's just um, funny to see how they actually had to transition and like adapt to that scenario. But also in the studio, there is no studio audience. They are somewhere, either they're shown this later, they record the audience laugh track 
over the top uh, later and then put that over the top. Yeah. Or they're in a different room somewhere else in the studio watching a live feed of them do it on the main stage and then they're getting that. I don't know how they're doing it exactly. Okay. But yeah, everybody's like five meters apart from each other sitting down. It's like this huge auditorium and they're all sitting so far apart and they just look so lonely. And like, That's like exactly so what strange. they did for the reunion of New York this year. Is like, that right? Generally the women sit on the couch while, with Andy. Yeah, the host yeah the middle, right. And they were all on individual chairs just in this giant semicircle. Yeah. That's exactly what they're doing. But that being said, amongst all that, um, I'm really enjoying this season. Um, Catherine Parkinson. I think that's her name. Jen from mm. the IT crowd. Um, oh, yeah. Love her. She's fantastic. She's hilarious. Uh, Johnny Vegas, very good. It's a, it's a good group this year. And while it's a little bit strange with that COVID energy, I'm still very much enjoying Taskmaster. Mm. Um, the other oh, the thing I did watch also with Steph um, recently was Borat subsequent movie film. Have mm. you watched Borat 2, which is on stream on Amazon, if you have Amazon I, Prime? I haven't watched Borat 1. I've tried to. I, you know, I get very nervous. Like I, I struggle to watch um, like award shows because I'm worried the people giving a speech on stage, you know, well-paid actors are going to fuck up somehow and embarrass themselves. And I can't handle that. Even the idea of a possible secondhand embarrassment situation. How on earth am I meant to watch Borat? Like I, I even thinking about it stresses me out. Um, I mean, I've seen so many people speak about it. I, I mean, I want to. I just, I think I'm just gonna have to get really drunk and watch it because I don't, can't imagine me being able to watch it sober. Funnily enough, I did sort of have a weird time with it as well because I found it very cringy. Like, mm. there are some scenarios that are just genuinely funny. A lot of it is genuinely funny, and other mm. scenarios where it's just, I just. I, it's hard to watch people have to be in this situation. It's so awkward and horrible, and I don't understand how. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen is not cracking up or not apologising to these people for the situations he's putting them in. Um, mm. It's an interesting sequel se- sequel movie. It came out of nowhere. I think there were rumours that he was doing certain things. He'd been caught in certain scenarios, but not necessarily directly tied to Borat. Um, and it just appeared out of nowhere. It came out on Amazon, what, two weeks now, pretty much before the US election. And it's very much like the first one was, a look at... US society, particularly Republican, red states, um, those sorts of things. And mm. it's fine. I guess I, I say it was fine. Like, I th- know a lot of people are really raving about it. Um, I thought it was good. I think the fact that it's trying to recreate in a lot of ways what the first one did, um, it has to live up to the, the original, which is sort of really, really well um, regarded still to this day. It's also a question of how well the, sh- the idea of playing another nationality holds up in modern times. Like Mm. what can you get away with? Even if you are poking fun at racists in America, should you really be coming up with these awful ideas of what Kazakhstan is like? I I don't know. It's, it's a strange thing to watch in modern times. Mm. Um, Ultimately, I think like what it's trying to get to the heart of the, the movie is really, really strong. It's whether or not you think it sort of holds up to the standard of the, was sort of the legendary first film. But, yeah, I don't know. Definitely worth checking out if, if Borat and Bruno and those sorts of things are your bag, Ali G and those things are your bag at all. It's a worthy Sasha Baron Cohen series. In some ways, you might say that Borat 2 is sort of not just a follow-up to Borat 1, but almost like a continuation of Who is America, the 
TV series he did. It was on Stan here. I can't remember who. Showtime, I think it was, uh, made it in the States, which was sort of like him playing all new characters, trying to embarrass Republicans and politicians and stuff like that um, mm. along the way. So, again, if you're into that sort of stuff, you're getting more of that. Uh, what else have I been watching? Oh, we watched the IT crowd while we were building bookcases. So, this is the second category. Bookcase building shows. We put the yeah. IT crowd on the background. I found out, I didn't know this. I've been dating my girlfriend for five years. You get engaged and all you yeah. do is eat dinner and build bookcases. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> that's how it goes. I love it. Um, we, I've yeah, known my girlfriend for five years. We're now engaged to be married. And I did not realize how big a fan of the IT crowd she was until a couple of days ago. Mm. Um she is like like I am obsessed with community. She is that into the IT crowd. So we sort of watched all of season one somehow in the background while we were building bookcases. It took multiple hours to do this. And they're short seasons, like six episodes, something like that. That's interesting. I was a big fan of the IT crowd once upon a time. I still find those people like uh, Catherine Parkinson and Richard Ayoade very, very funny. I really like those people a lot. Um, It's a question again of like the curse of modern standards. Mm. It's like some, it's so hard going back to shows from the comedies from the 2000s now mm-hmm. that there is so much gay panic, homophobia, sexism, like all that stuff throughout is the main mm. thrust of the jokes from so many things. Roy in particular is really bad at this. And it becomes and a question boy, of did like, we think it was funny. Didn't fucking we oath laugh we did. and laugh, bro? I know I can't. I did. I, I laughed yeah, and laughed me too. and laughed and laughed. As a gay woman, I laughed my ass off. I don't know what was going on. So it's sort of like the question that's ended my mind seeing this stuff again is like, Mm. what? where is the line? How do you define when a show is doing this to make fun of people who are being ignorant? Mm. And when is the joke just making fun of these, like a person's sexuality or their gender or whatever it is, right? Or tropes of that type. Because I think of like... I love Peep Show, but the Mm. thing that Peep Show does well is those people are awful and you know they're awful Mm. is top of the list of things you know that Jeremy and uh, the other characters, I can't remember all of a sudden, are the worst and Mm. the joke is that they are terrible. They're bad people trying to be good. Yeah, it's it's the same with Always Sunny. That's something I can always go back and re-watch. Because yes. the butt of the joke isn't like gay people or people of color. It's about like being homophobic and racist and they're awful and they yes. always get their comeuppance for being so. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's true also of like Pierce and community of which I can see that we talked about this and we especially did season one and season two. Like mm. sometimes where's the line there? But ultimately Pierce is meant to be a piece of shit and everyone calls him out yeah. for it. Whereas and he's that's isolated necessarily- because of that. Exactly. That's not necessarily happening in the IT crowd. And so it's weird going back to it. And now I'm like, I'm thinking, what other shows from that era um, have I not re-explored in a long time? Because Mm -hmm. yes, I've seen Scrubs again. And yes, I've seen How Much Mother again. I realize they they don't hit those marks at all. And Friends, right? I want to go back and watch Seinfeld because I get the feeling that probably still holds up reasonably well. Because they are assholes and they're meant to be bad people, right? Yeah. And their and the opinions same, are always wrong. Yeah. Correct. And also Black Books is the other one, which is a little more like the IT crowd gets quite absurd at times, but Black Books goes a whole other level, I think. 
<laughs> and also Bernard and Fran in that in particular are not meant to be good people. They know yeah. they're shit people. And like the the joke is that Bernard is awful at running that bookstore. He's an awful, selfish person who doesn't like others. Mm-hmm. And so I think that might survive current standards, but I'm going to have to watch it to find out. But anyway, I just thought that was an interesting little, little experiment that mm. happened while I was building bookcases. I don't know if you had any thoughts on those. Um, Not on that specifically, but I mean, quite often, you know, I'll be scrolling through whatever streaming service and I'll be like, oh, you know, I used to love that. I really want to watch that again. But then I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered going through the motions of starting something, realizing that I can't enjoy it anymore because I see those kinds of jokes differently. Um, And then having to turn off and realize that I I can't like that thing anymore. I mean, that's what I experienced with Austin Powers. I mean, I knew it was going to be a bit silly, obviously very silly, Um, but the so obviously written (laughs) from a male perspective and while Austin's, you know, overt sexuality is part of the joke um, and you have, I'm talking about specifically the first Austin Powers and you Mm -hmm. have Liz Hurley's character kind of like rolling her eyes. Ultimately, even from the very beginning, she finds it funny and charming Mm -hmm. being sexually harassed incessantly. And I'm like, oh, no woman has ever felt that way when she's being forced to work with someone all he does is sexualize her. She doesn't go, oh, oh, Austin. Like that's just, it was just infuriating. Because I thought, totally. looking back on it, I thought it was smarter than that. I remember thinking, oh, what I really like about Austin Powers is that like, yes, he's kind of like that James Bondy overly sexual guy, but the women he's opposite are like really strong and like very intelligent, much smarter than he is. But they're still like, yeah, their being uncomfortable is still the joke which is not great to watch. I would like to rewatch two and three because I've only rewatched one not that long ago as well. I think I even talked about it mm. on the podcast. And from memory, Felicity Shagwell in the second one is much more sexually overt herself. Mm. So she's bringing that energy too. It's reciprocal. And then it's reciprocal. Yeah, it's reciprocated. Yeah. And then the Foxy Cleopatra, Beyonce's character, I don't know. I feel like the, maybe that they changed things a little bit by then. But again, it's been a long time since I've watched those films. It'd be worth yeah, investigating. I mean, but, I think you'd have to rewatch it because that's what I thought about the first and I was way you're off probably right. There. But but I also remember in the first one, because you're right, like all that stuff about how he is absolutely sexually harassing her and she's just meant to be like find it cute and roll her eyes and chuckle mm. to herself that she's charmed by it. One of the things I did like that does hold up though, again, I think I talked about this already, is that when she's super drunk and comes onto him, she's like, well, no, I'm... You, you're wasted, I'm not. This is not appropriate. Mm. I was like, okay. So you're not 100% disconnected from what's right and oh, wrong here. You're not going to rape a woman when she's drunk. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> the standards are low, my friend. Too low. Good point. Too low. Um, the other show that I've watched, the category here is I had to watch it, otherwise I'd be a social pariah, is episode one of The Mandalorian season two. Oh, of um, Which course. released on Disney Plus on Friday. So every Friday night, mm-hmm. basically, we're going to come home to um, a new episode of Star Wars. And apparently Star Trek Discovery season three is sort of bringing out episodes on the same night. So it's like, who would have told us nerds there was going to be a new Star Trek and a new Star Wars show every weekend uh, for 10 weeks? That's pretty cool. What um, 
What a world. Uh, if you're a fan of The Mandalorian Season 1, you're going to be a fan of the way this one opens. Um, it's very much... The Mandalorian shows up. He has a mission. He deals with a bunch of people, helps them solve a problem. He leaves. <laughs> and that is a formula that is working. Mm-hmm. It feels still very Star Wars. It kind of has... Does this thing where it's kind of expanding on what we already know, which is cool. Like giving us new perspectives on some characters and particularly um, some elements of the universe that we're familiar with and showing us a new perspective on that um, without giving spoilers. The Tusken Raiders or the the Tatooine Sand people are brought up again. They did some stuff with a little bit of that in season one. They're doing mm-hmm. some more with that in season two. However, at the same time, the criticism is we're back to Tatooine. We're back to dealing with Sand people. We're back to dealing with like, why does this universe keep centering in on this backwards plant in the middle of nowhere? It's I like, mean, I think it's the first episode of the season. That's so my argument. I think argument. it's a good jumping off point, I think. Like, I this, remember this, Star Wars, blah, blah, even for people, you know, who may not have watched season one and just like, oh, I might check out season two, jump in. You're familiar with some of these icons already. So that's helpful as well. I, I think that's the way of looking at it. Like, I, I definitely agree that that is a problem, particularly if it continues. And even season one probably did a bit too much. It is episode one. If the whole mm-hmm. season took place in Tatooine, or if next season we're going to Endor, and then the season after, sorry, next episode we go to Endor, the next episode after that we go to Hoth, then we have a problem. But let's cool our jets at episode one. I think we can let that slide mm. for the, also, pi- for the like- reintroduction. It's not that much of a problem. <laughs> like, if the story is adventurous enough, sure, I can understand wanting to go out and see everything or whatever, but it's not that big of a deal if, like, you know, every second or every third episode you go somewhere familiar. Like, as long as there's enough perspective, you just, yeah, who gives you would, a shit? You would like the show to be able to, like, the idea of a Star Wars television show is we can do and see things that we haven't done and seen before Mm. um the fact that this is not centered on jedi and those sorts of things is really refreshing i think as Mm -hmm. a star wars fan you know i don't think we've seen a single lightsaber yet um in the show and like those things are that's good that we can do new things with star wars so it'd be a Mm. shame if it just kept getting bogged down in old ideas all the time but yeah i agree it's like you also want it to be star i'm not talking about like old ideas i'm talking about like familiar places or whatever you know like if this story is fresh, if we're sure. like seeing a different perspective, then I'm not going to judge it too harshly for being like, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah. So you've seen this episode, the first season, first episode of season two? Yes. What do you of think? Course, as soon as it came out, um, I really enjoyed it. I yeah, really, really, really very much enjoyed it. I think there are moments that echo the first episode of season one, which was mm-hmm. nice. I was like, oh, to remember like how far we'd come, which was really good. I enjoyed the uh, sign language aspect of the Tusken Raiders um, and how kind of developed that was. Yeah. I believe they use a, a, a deaf person to kind of work through that with them, which is great. That's um, cool. And kind of, yeah, getting a, a like a First Nations or First Peoples perspective within that story was also cool. Um, obviously, people who know how to survive how to survive there, yeah. particularly with diminished resources because of Extremely um, the planet harsh being, environment. Yeah. yeah. Resources being taken from them and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I loved all the bits and pieces put in there that 
enriched the world we know. So like if people are like, oh, Tatooine again, oh, Duskin Raiders, how, how annoying. And then, but then you, I'm learning things about that world though that I otherwise didn't know that made it feel new to me anyway. So, yeah. This is a show that is undoubtedly aping off Western tropes as well. And what mm-hmm. better planet in Star Wars than Tatooine to go and do yeah. Western type things, you know? It's a literal yeah. cowboys and... Native American peoples, I mm-hmm. won't say the other word, uh, a story that's going on here. Like, this is very, very to those tropes. Um, yeah. yeah. I, something else I just really liked about the episode as well. It's a little thing, but opening sort of section, there's a bit where Mando's going to meet with this person for information. And there's this alien character with one eye that mm. ta- does a heap of talking with him. Mm. And it was like, it was like, are you a CGI creation or are you animatronic? I can't tell, and it's very cool. It was like reminding me of some. It's a person in a costume, isn't it? With like an animatronic head. That's what I. Is thought. that what? That's what I was trying to figure that's, out. I wasn't sure, and that's what was that's amazing what I about thought, it. Because I noticed, like, with the perspective of the eye and where the eye was looking. Yes. Um, because we're not used to that. It sometimes slightly looked off in a way that it looked like an animatronic eye kind of adjusting. That's the only reason I thought that, but it could be completely wrong. I don't know. I, seen... I mean, I loved the ca- the design of the character. I loved the way it moved. Yeah. I mean, I loved all of it. I don't care how they did it. Yeah. It was super convincing. It reminded me, I've seen videos of like um, how they do the animatronic stuff at like Disneyland, Disney World mm. and on rides and stuff like that. And how that technology has evolved and advanced and where they've gotten to with that now is is really sophisticated. And it was like, it's almost like they've taken some of that and put that in here. And I was just like, that's... This is a freaking television show. This is as cool. This looks as good as anything that we're getting so at the good. movies from Star Wars or otherwise at the moment. It's very it lo- cool. It looked practical. So yes. if that's the level of CGI they have on this TV show, that's fine. But it looked practical to me and that's the look that I like, particularly for Star cool. Wars. That's all I've been watching. Um, before we finished up, I was kind of wondering whether you wanted to talk about what the last three to six months have been like in Melbourne because I know friends of the show are probably about to end up in a very similar situation to what we've been doing yeah. the last little bit, where obviously Europe and the UK, particularly England um, specifically, mm-hmm. is going into a pretty harsh lockdown that's meant to last four weeks, I believe, the English one. If I'm being honest with mm-hmm. you, I don't think that's going to be quite right. No. I think that's I think very optimistic. A little bit longer. Yeah. Because um, yes. we're coming out the other side of it, and so we can be a little mm-hmm. bit churlish about it at the moment. How would you have any advice for anyone who's going into that sort of similar stay at home, only leave for essential reasons? Otherwise, yeah, don't go yeah. anywhere scenario. Hmm. Do I have any advice? <laughs> um, it, that almost sounds like I coped with lockdown well. Not sure that I did. I think I, I, think I did pretty well. I think well. we all coped as well as we could have. Yeah. I think like as an introvert it hasn't been quite as hard for me as some of my extroverted friends i've i've you know i've got a couple of very like social butterflies the most extreme extrovert you can imagine who are experiencing or have experienced depression for the first time mm-hmm. um to which i was like if you want anyone to talk about it with uh i know my stuff on that subject so i'm here but yeah it was it was really really difficult for them um and i had my days as well and i think Maybe by month one of the second strict lockdown, um, I had gotten into the rhythm of, you know, some days I'm going to feel really, un- like, really annoyed 
that I can't go out. I'm really, really annoyed that I can't see my friends. Some days I'm going to be feeling great and feel really happy that I can spend all day on the couch, watch whatever I want, you know, just binge, eat and have a great time. And some days I'm going to be really, really sad and that's okay. So I think just being like, this is an emotion I'm experiencing and that's fine. And even if you're told, you know, it might be four weeks, might be three months, no matter what you're told the period of time, I mean, it, it doesn't really exist. It's just about like, what am I feeling at the moment? Okay, that's yeah. totally valid. What can I do about that? Can I do anything? If no, pop on a TV show. I mean, that's what I always did. Uh, in terms of like coping, I don't really listen to music and some days I just couldn't watch another fucking show. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. having to curate all of your entertainment for, you know, 18 hours a day. It's just... It's too much. So I would listen to some of my favorite podcasts. I think I re-listened to all of Womp It Up uh, twice, which is like one of my, if not my favorite podcasts in the world. It's like a improv um, character-based thing, kind of like Comedy Bang Bang. That's where the characters originated from. I had listened to it before. I knew it made me laugh. I knew it ultimately had like a really positive message to it. So if I was in the bath, listen to like a story so I wasn't stuck in my own thoughts, but it was something familiar so that I didn't have to feel like I had to look for something to listen to. Going yep. for my, you know, 5K walk or whatever, like that's that's what I would listen to. Um, doing housework I actually found to be really helpful. Uh, housework and a funny podcast can soothe the soul. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think just be a bit – it's going to be shit, but, but that's okay. It's okay to either cry or laugh about it depending on how you're feeling that day. Hopefully, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because obviously things can turn around in a heartbeat, but hopefully yeah. we are proof that you can get through it. Like it, mm-hmm. it's been very, very hard and awful. Um, mm-hmm. I reckon sometimes one of the hardest things – because I got very lucky in that I was able to go to work and stuff. Like I was still mm. leaving the home. There was a period there where my work was severely reduced and I was – at home more often than I wasn't. Um, one of the things I've talked to a lot of my clients about is a lot of people are dealing with anxiety they've never had before, as you said. They're not always sure where it's coming from. They know things are shit, but they're like, but my life's okay. I'm healthy. I'm, you know, I've mm. got a family and those sorts of things. And the thing that I think people kept going back to or we keep talking about was every day we're waiting for an anticipating this terrible satanic satanic lottery of what Mm. numbers do we have today Mm. you know you're trying to keep track of whether the number of cases and deaths are going up or going down and is it enough that we can start to come out the other side of lockdown Mm -hmm. and that cycle that repetitive like ritual of doing that every day and anticipating whether the next day was going to be bad or good was Mm -hmm. terrible for everybody so to some degree as much as you need to be focusing on doing the right thing and doing that stuff don't get too sucked into having to be on the news and be like, yeah. don't have to feel like you have to be informed all the time about what the latest thing is. If you want to take three or four days break from the news and from Twitter and stuff yeah. like that, fucking do it. Like that is I a would very, take, very like, good idea. I would take like a week or two off of like keeping up to date with everything. Obviously totally. if there were changes, I always had Twitter and it would always come up if there was like a really dramatic change. In People terms will of let you know if there's big stuff. Exactly. But especially but, if it's stuff worth celebrating, yeah. people are going to tell mm. you. Like, if you, I'm assuming you have mm. group chats and stuff like that with friends. Yeah. Others will let you know when big yeah. things are happening. You don't have to think, be connected all the time. 
Yeah, that feeling of, you know, I feel anxious and I'm not sure why. I mean, it is simply like that brain worm that doesn't necessarily have a name, which is just like the slow realisation that you don't have control of your own life. And I think people who have experienced either like severe illness or death in like sudden death in the family or with friends and stuff, like you have that thing that happens that makes you go oh my god I don't have control and then you experience the trauma from that and I think people because we're all going through it and it's not necessarily doesn't feel personal in a lot of ways are not able to assign that anxiety feeling to what you get with many other things in life and you're like oh that's the reason I feel out of control you know like this thing yeah you you, you've perhaps for the first time perhaps not are discovering that we have no control in life (laughs) at all and I'm not talking about restrictions on our lives I'm talking about like death can come for you like long-term illness can come for you like that that is the reality and often we live in blissful ignorance and we're able to like have distractions in this instance we have you know our leaders on the news every day or all over social media simply by experiencing having to be in our homes all day that reminder every day that you could get really sick that people you love could get really sick um and even if you don't get really sick the way that you thought the world was perhaps may not be true and that's really really scary and really upsetting but you may not know exactly how to articulate that and that's really big and that's really fair to feel like fuck (laughs) like oh my god fuck like what do we how can you get through it i think try to find distractions like you would in your life otherwise that's how we get through it we find things that we love we spend time with people we love we do things that give us joy and when we don't have the energy to do that have a fucking three-hour nap if you need to you know what i mean like just just do your best my, my suggestion on how not to react to this rea- reality shattering moment of your life is not to <laughs> deny it don't yes, deny it because denial is more dangerous. Denial where you start to go, well, it must be fake because I don't want it to be true and mm. therefore the government is lying to me and all these restrictions are nonsense. They're just trying to control me. This is a dictatorship now. And then you undermine a widespread public effort to protect other people. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That yeah. is what was getting in the way of yes. things going well in Melbourne. But again, use Melbourne as an example that you can get through this and things yeah. can get better. Can I, can I say one sure. thing that did bring me joy that wasn't simply about myself and looking after myself was just the simple knowledge that everyone I knew and everyone around me within like the city of Melbourne, other than a few asshole outliers, but everyone in this city worked really, really hard and worked together yeah. to pull it off. And that like, even now I could tear up. Like it's, so. <laughs> it was really hard work. Yeah. <laughs> and we missed a lot of things. <laughs> but we did it together. And it, it makes me really proud. Agreed. To have experienced it. Like what a thing I could do for other people and that they can do for me that I don't even know like yeah it was it's it's really opened my eyes to the fact that you know you turn on the news and you know particularly in America and stuff you you see people so angry and so filled with hate for others and 
for the most part, we just didn't succumb to it. And God yeah. knows, like, with the press, particularly Murdoch press, we were really asked to succumb yeah. to fear. Every effort hatred. made to undermine yeah. this effort, yeah. And we just didn't. And we just persevered and we looked after each other and it was a, it was really beautiful. And I, I promise you, no matter how hard it is, the feeling of pride, both in yourself and others, is absolutely worth it. David Milner wrote some incredible articles about yes, like he did. when mm. when Melbourne was like the laughing stock or being poked at as being like the leper colony over in the corner of Australia and stuff like this. Like mm. how what we should be doing is celebrating just how hard people have worked and how well we've come together. Yes, of course, there's outliers and they get more attention than they deserve. Mm. But for the most part, we were just quietly yeah. doing the work. And now we're here four days without a single new case. And again, this could turn around very quickly. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what will happen. But yeah. we, I can go out and go, you know, I'm going to the pub today to go yeah. and have a meal with some friends and have a drink. Like, I can't fucking wait. Yeah, I'm going to enjoy the sunshine today and, with my friends. Oh. One who ha- like had to go to Geelong because his mental health was not good. Mm. He's finally able to come back to Melbourne. I'm going to see him, going to have some drinks in the sunshine, and I'm so excited. Yeah. And, yes, like I said, it's ups and downs like you just saw, the fact that I just burst out crying. But fucking hell, it's worth it, and I'm so proud of us. Uh, I'll wrap this up because we both have to get off to do other things today because we've got mm-hmm. plans now. We we've can make plans to, to do. Um, <laughs> As you were saying, get out when you can, depending on the allowance and stuff, get out and exercise. Getting out and just going for mm-hmm. a walk, I think, is really, yeah. really important. Like that saved me a lot in the in the darkest, coldest days. Just to be able to go Absolutely. out and go for a walk with Steph. Um, yeah, don't feel like you need to achieve something with this time. People will tell no. you it's like now's your opportunity to write the great American novel or whatever. It's like, <laughs> fuck that bullshit. Just survive. Yeah. If you if that's something you want to do, if you've got the time and the energy for that, go mm-hmm. for it. But don't think that if you don't achieve that, you're not making good use of your time. The important mm-hmm. thing is that by just doing the right thing and following the rules, you are doing the work you need to do. The rest is just finding out how to survive. So comfort food, and by that mm-hmm. I mean watch TV shows that you know you love, watch mm-hmm. movies that you know you love, read books that you know you love, listen to music and podcasts and stuff that you know you love. Anything that's just going to help you feel good is totally, totally worth your time and yeah. you should do that. Personally, I think that video games have been particularly helpful for me. Oh, Zoom, yes. the idea of like getting on Zoom and having a conversation with people lost its appeal very early on. Like there yeah, was maybe did, six weeks Ooh. where that was fun. And then none of, yeah. no one, none of us had anything to talk about anymore because we weren't doing anything. And it kind of became <laughs> harder work than it yeah, was it did. anything. It wasn't, there was no value anymore. And to but, like alleviate the awkwardness of it, like I would be drinking through it. And so I was just like hung over all the time and being sure. hung over makes me super depressed. I was like, this is not a healthy habit. Yeah. Um, but doing things like obviously, um, among us has been very common, very popular, like playing a game together like Mm. that does work. So if you're doing something together as a group, we were playing poker online and stuff like that that with mates. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on PlayStation playing um, Fall Guys a lot with friends. Mm. Like that way you were still getting that social interaction and it didn't feel Mm. forced. You were doing something together. That absolutely worked for me. Also, if you are in like a really high density area or you are uh, immunocompromised and you really don't want to go outside, um, and obviously this is only for people who can afford such things, but I found 
it very therapeutic to play Animal Crossing, but particularly Minecraft, just to kind of explore a world and feel like sure. I was leaving my house. So, like I said, I'll put my podcast, my favorite podcast in that I could just kind of tune in and out of, and I would just like explore the world of Minecraft. And I found that really relaxing. I would do that all day. Yeah. Most importantly, we are proof that you can do it and you will mm-hmm. make it through and that it will be better on the other side. Um, we need to start wrapping this up. We'll be watching the presidential election with morbid curiosity tomorrow. Hopefully there's good news there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also, I'm not sure if this has been officially announced. I won't go specifics, but there will be an upcoming episode of the Swapcast podcast that we were both featured in, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that coming out. It'll probably come out in the next two, three, four weeks, I think, which will be cool. So look out for that. We'll let you know when that's out. Congratulations mm-hmm. to Lip Media for being nominated for Best Podcast Network at the Australian Podcast Awards, by the way. That's very, Woo-hoo! very, very cool. Congratulations, Dan and the crew there. Um, and then we'll be back hopefully next week with our review of Lovecraft Country Season 1. We'll likely be recording in person, so no more of this Zoom shit. <gasps> oh, my God. Fun. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Broad's to moved too. to a new house and I haven't even seen it, so I'm excited True. to do that. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up, Damask? Um, you know, sorry, I cried everyone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel like that's on brand at this point. Anyway, yes. Goodbye, everyone. Love you. See you Good later. Luck.